0: Hi, welcome to the Ghostman ra- Radio Station. My guest today is Dr Mimi Smith, who's an author, radio talk host, inspirational speaker, teacher, businesswoman and musician. She writes on numerous online social media sites, has established her own network, the unfolding of a com, a blog, open thought, Smith, Mimi, dot com. Which sits on the first page of Google and Yoho search engines. Her first book, Dr. Smith, received a Bachelor of Science Music degree at Austin PA State University in Tennessee. A master of music education a doctorate of education from Wayne State University in Michigan. Her education was greatly enhanced by travelling extensively, living among other cultures, and teaching in many states of this country. And on, on the own Kinwala, Japan, her experiences include teaching class from kindergarten to college level in public school systems, private vocal and piano lessons, and performance as a classical soloist solo lessons, operas, musical, churches and special events. And she happens to be my guest for tonight. So Mimi, how are you today?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How are you? And I would just like to say I'm delighted to, to be on your show. Thank you for having
0: me. That's okay. I'm sort of t- trying to speak a little bit slower because sometimes people cannot understand my accent sometimes. So I'm talking a little bit slower than I normally would, just in case you may have problem with what I might be asking. <laughs> sure, I understand. So we will we'll go to into the first book, the unfolding of a rose. Why um why did you write this book? And why is such a title? Well, let's talk about the title
1: first. Um, The title, as you stated, is The Unfolding of a Rose, and that came to me when I was almost finished with the book. I had originally thought the title was going to be My Daughter and Me. But when I reached the almost conclusion of the book, a mental voice said to me, you've got to change the title of the book. And I said, well, what am I going to change it to? And the the, the idea came to me, the unfolding of a rose. My daughter's name was Mita Rose. Rose was her middle name. And I wrote the book because I was going through one of the most challenging times of my life. And that was after the death of Mita Rose. And um, so I decided that because many years prior to that, I would put my thoughts on paper and um, hopefully would help me get through whatever situation I was in. And so I decided after thinking about it for a while i'm going to put my thoughts on paper because i was going through a very difficult time with uh, guilt with pain it, there was like, it was like a knife was really cutting away at my heart and so i decided okay unfolding means to me that, that um a rose unfolds and you see its beautiful petals You can't see it. It's beauty if it is closed. So when Mita and I were working together against this dreadful disease called breast cancer, our thoughts unfolded, ideas unfolded in our consciousness as we strove to battle it. And so I'm thinking that is why the mental voice spoke to me near the end of the book that say, Unfolding of a Rose is what you've got to have the title with. And so that's what I did. And uh, it reveals how I overcame deep-seated pain and grief and learned the true meaning of life.
0: Now, I used to work in mental health, so I know a little bit about the... um stages of grief, uh, what would you uh, say is the first step in dealing with grief, and the stages of grief? Well, the
1: first stage of grief, to me, is recognizing that you are grieving. Most of us, even though we are grieving, do not look around saying, I'm grieving because I lost my daughter. Or I'm grieving because I lost my parents. We don't do that, but we go through certain stages. Sometimes we go through all of the stages. Sometimes we go through one. Uh, sometimes we go through two. Um, it doesn't matter. The stages that we that the, the typical stages that a grieving person goes through are denial, anger. Bargaining, depression, and finally, acceptance. And so the first stage to me is to say, I'm grieving. Now what am I going to do about it? And to me, uncovering the innermost thoughts of anyone is asking a question honestly and then responding with the answer that mentally comes to you. Not for somebody else, but for the person who is asking the question. So when I found out my daughter passed away, when my daughter passed away, I was angry. And here is why I was angry. Um, I had believed that my daughter would be healed metaphysically. Why did I believe that? Was because over the years, I had been healed, metaphysically, of many diseases, and my daughter had also, but she had chosen the pathway to have the uh, surgery through the medical world. she chosen that, and I didn't know about it until six months before she, she passed away. Even then, even though she had been placed in hospice, because the, the doctor said she had a very aggressive breast cancer... Um, she had been placed in hospice, I did not believe she would pass away. My faith was that she would be healed. And um, when that didn't happen, I was angry. And who was I angry with? God. Because I had faith in him. My daughter had faith in him. And so we had trusted that he would guide us through this, Process. And when that didn't happen, I asked him, Why have you forsaken me? And the answer that came back from that, each time I asked that question, was Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now, I'm going to deviate just a little bit because if your audience is listening to me, they're not going to grasp what I'm saying unless I build a foundation. Can I do that?
0: Yes, no no problem.
1: Okay. If you do not believe in a creator beyond the human father and the mother, you're going to have a problem with what I'm saying. And chances are you won't understand it. Because the foundation of what I'm saying is based on faith, hope, and spiritual understanding. I believe there is only one creator, and that creator is not my mother and my father. I believe my mother and father is a person, a being, not a person, a being that I call God. Now, some people may call it light, universe, Allah, Jehovah. I it's immaterial to me what you call it. What is significant is that that being is a higher level of thinking beyond the human realm of thinking. That's what you have to believe. That is outside of the realm of human reality. You've got to connect with a higher level of thinking. And the thing that makes you connect with that higher level of thinking is to understand who that supreme being is. And I know there are people out there that says, because I've talked with my family members, and they'll say, well, you're never going to understand God. I don't share that belief. You're never going to understand everything about God. But in order to follow him, And listen to his directions you got to understand who he is or she is because I call it my father mother God both parents and so what I had to understand over many many years is that five synonyms define who God is and those synonyms are mind Divine mind, not the human mind, mind with a capital M, meaning divine intelligence, spiritual understanding, wisdom. Those are words that, to me, define divine mind. A second synonym is spirit, and that is what everything is made out of. That's the substance. You get faith, and you get hope, and and you get uh, spirituality from spirit. The third one is soul, and I do not mean soul in your body because I do not believe there is a soul in a physical body. Soul, to me, with a capital S, is a synonym for God. And soul tells us what our spiritual senses are. We see not with our physical eye, but with our mental eye. We hear with our mental ears. We touch, not with our hands or foot or whatever, but with our mental touch. We smell the fragrance of joy. We um, taste the goodness of soul. Those are all mental, spiritual things that we do. Now, many people have never gone beyond connecting with anything other than human reality. They've got a lot to learn if they haven't done that. But it is a process that any person can do. Now, before I move on, there's one other little thing that I have to say in order for a person to be healed metaphysically, first you have to understand who God is. I'm giving you how I understand Him, based on those seven synonyms. The key to connecting us humanly with those seven synonyms comes from a book, the first book of Genesis in the Bible, and I read the King James version, and it's Genesis 1:27. And one twenty-seven says that God created man, not, and that says to me, my mama and my daddy didn't. They created the human mamie, but they did not create the spiritual mamie. That person is created by God. So Genesis says God created man, and how did He create him? He created him, her, in His image and likeness and i'm going to say that again god created everybody in his image and likeness okay yep. then let me Sorry? pause let me pause I wanted to just say, how, how is the average person going to understand that? Let me just go one little step further, and then I will, will respond to your question. What does that mean, being created in the image and likeness of God? Most people have no idea what that's talking about. What I say to them, now let's look at it at a human level that you can understand. When you stand in front of a mirror, in front of a mirror, physically, you see yourself. That's not you. That's your image. But it is exactly like you. If you raise your hand, it's going to do that too. If you shake your head, it's going to shake its head. It does exactly what you do because it is a replica of you. It is made, it is made in your image and likeness. Now let's transfer that to man and God. If God is life, and one is made in the image and likeness of God, then man is going to reflect or express that life. If God is mind and divine intelligence, then the man he created is also expressing that divine intelligence because he is made in the image and likeness of God and so on with all of the seven synonyms. Having that foundation for many years, I knew that and I think that contributed to my anger when my daughter passed away because I trusted that God that I knew. And so when it didn't happen, that's why I became angry. And But one thing that I did do was to continue to read two books. Number one, the Bible. And number two, a book called Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by a woman named Mary Baker Eddy. I continued to read those books. But I was still angry, and I would still ask those questions of God. Why did you forsake me? Why did you forsake my daughter? Why didn't you help us? One day, a mental voice spoke very quietly and said, you are putting your emphasis on understanding death, but you should be trying to understand life. That was a revelation to me. It might not be one to you, but it was to me. I had reasoned that my daughter was dead, so in order to be healed of this knife that's cutting away at my heart, I'm going to have to get a better understanding of what death is. Well, God is life. He's not death. So to be healed, you have to connect with him. And so I began to read many, many citations on life in the Bible. And I also did the same thing with the other book. And over a period of time, I began to gain a greater understanding of what life is and a definition of it came to me. And that definition was, Life is the divine activity of thought. Nobody told me that. I heard it through the messages of soul. So what does that mean? It means that we live when our consciousness is filled with spiritual ideas. We die when they don't, when it isn't. So if you hate your neighbor, that you're dying. That's death. That's evil. That's death. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you are living. How do I? How did I transfer that to my daughter? I focused on the word life, and I said God is life, and the Bible tells me that life is eternal. That means it has no beginning. It exists now, and it will never end. And if my daughter... Is made in the image and likeness of life, she is not dead. She continues to live. Oh, I know her physical body is gone. Everybody's physical body is going to pass away because that's not the life that God created anyway, according to Genesis one twenty seven. That verse says that the man God made is in his image and likeness, and God is not physical. Not to me, he isn't. That God is spirit. So that means my daughter had to be spiritual. And she continued to live. So if you... So what that did for me over a period of time, and this was a working out over a two-year period. I don't want to give your listeners the the impression that I did it overnight. No. (laughs) And so if you... We are victims of what we believe. I'm going to say that again. The human person is a victim of what he himself believes. So I was believing that my daughter lived in that fleshly body. That was her total life. When that life ceased to exist, she was dead. When I no longer believe that over a period of two years that the pain the suffering the guilt the doubts the fears the anger all of that disappeared what had i done i had replaced the beliefs with spiritual understanding now i'm going to listen to you with your questions
0: i'd like to your answer my friend uh, so where were we? Da, 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 I said of grief. Um, I, as you say, the, the, grief is um, more talked about, I think, now than it used to be. It used to be very much a, a taboo subject. People never used to sort of like talking about their loss or the, the, the mortality as such. I, I can understand where you're coming from because I have um, had a near death experience in my life, so I can understand the spiritual side more, and people realise. So I, I can, I can, I can relate to you there. Um, so, what do you think is the biggest loss? Um, What's the biggest difference between losing a child and losing um, someone who's older?
1: Um, I have a, a message that says, and I put it out in a lot of the articles that I write, and I write on a lot of websites, and I have four of my own, and I have five e books out there. But that message that I send out in all of my writings can be boiled down to one a sentence you heard me say before We are what we believe. So, Socialization tells us this, and I'm talking humanly now, not spiritually. Humanly, we are socialized to believe that no child should precede their parents in death. Now, we know that that happens, and it's happening more and more and more as we live in this world, but that Belief is embedded in our consciousness. We haven't done anything with it. We haven't healed it. So it's still there. And so, when the child dies, we said, oh, this is all wrong. I, I, my child should never have died before me. I'm older. This is, this is not normal. This is not natural. And we cling to that belief. When the, My mother, who was 97, passed away, and she passed away after my daughter passed away, several years thereafter. My mother was 97. Socialization tells me that my mother had lived a full life. Oh, yes, I grieved for my mother, but I didn't cling to her like I did my daughter because of the fact that, number one, I had a greater understanding of life, and number two, even if I hadn't, Socialization would have told me that it's okay for your mother to go now. She's after all, she's lived ninety-seven years, but my daughter was forty-five, so she should not have died. Certainly, she not have died before I did. That's to me is the difference. We are what we believe, and once you correct those beliefs, and you, it's hard to correct belief, a human belief, with a human belief. I don't believe that works. To me, in order to correct a human belief, it has to be corrected with a divine belief, divine understanding, a divine fact, a divine law. I don't see divinity as a belief, I see it as a reality. I see the human things that we put ourselves through as beliefs. And when we correct those beliefs with divine understanding, then we have the true knowledge of things. Does that answer the question?
0: Yes, I believe it does. Um, I also, when I used to work, I used to do voluntary work. And we used to regularly cut graveyards. And I always used to find it sad when you sadder when you came across the, the graves of children and you did adults. Because as you say, in a way... You expect your mortality to end at some time, but when you lose a child, it it is more powerful. I was affected more when I saw that, right? And you know, you just stop for that second, and thinking, "God, I wonder what they went through."
1: Yes, and when I was on another radio show with um, a minister. And of course, many ministers don't share my concepts, and that's fine. You know, I have nothing to say about that. We are, you know, we are what we are. And um, and so uh, this woman said to me, "You're still grieving. I know you haven't gotten over it." <laughs> and I spoke. I was I was appalled by that statement. Number one, because I I'm wondering how she knows. What is in my consciousness? That's, that was my first thought. How does she know how I truly, truly feel beyond a surface level? But I responded by saying, um, we would, I would never tell you what you feel and what you understand. Because I believe that comes from your connection with God. And, and God touches each one of us right where we are. I would never say I could heal like Jesus. Jesus was far more advanced than anything that I probably will ever do before I pass away. He was always connected with God. I am sometimes and sometimes I'm not. But he was always, he was at one with God. Now, I know there are people out there who believe Jesus was God. I don't. I believe Jesus when he said he was the son of God. I don't believe he was God. And when he says my father and I are one, he's talking about one mentally, connecting mentally with God, becoming that child that he has created in his image and likeness. That's what I believe Jesus was talking about. And when we do the same thing, That's when healing takes place. I broke my arm, and two days later, um, I had it in a cast. They put it in a cast. I took no medication. Well, they put medication in the room at first because the doctor said, I'm going to break it back. I got to set it, And, and you can't stand the pain. I listened to that the first time. When he tried to do it again, I wouldn't let him. So, but what I'm saying is, I broke my arm in two days, and it was dangling, actually dangling from my wrist. I broke my wrist, and it was actually dangling. Two days later, I took the cast off and massaged it, and it was fine. Two weeks later, I went to the doctor, and I told him that, and he thought I was crazy. That's because he wasn't there. He couldn't understand how the healing process works. When you clear your mind of the beliefs, your body follows your mind. Well, what what does medical world say? Medical world says the body leads the mind. God says just the opposite. God is divine mind, and it's that mind that heals and governs the body. So when you no longer have something in your thinking, your body corresponds to your thinking. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. Um, I'm going to go to, over to your second book now. An American Story, My Family and Yours. What is the book about?
1: That book is a template using myself and my family to reveal the impact that slavery had on America not just African Americans, but white Americans as well. So this book went all the way back to 1620 for the first three chapters when slavery actually began in America. And it just moved it all the way up to what is happening today. And I used my family and my siblings and experiences of the world to make the point. And it is not only an American story... It's a worldwide story, a story that shares the emotions, the fears, the experiences, the challenges of every family in the human race. And every family in the human race can relate to those emotions.
0: Slavery's been around a long time, isn't it? Because, I mean, uh, people in Britain (laughs) were once slaves under the Romans and the Normans. Slavery,
1: yeah. It lasted a long time, but it lives today. Oh, yes, the I, I know that. The yeah,
0: it's scary, shouldn't be, but it's true.
1: Yeah, it does. You know why it lives today? No. Because nobody ever knew how to get rid of it mentally. We pile layers and layers of human thoughts and ideas and concepts and laws. Now, there are many Americans that are healed of it. I'm not saying that nobody is healed of it, but when I'm saying that Most Americans, black, white, green, and yellow, are not healed of slavery. It infiltrates our, our culture today. We see a lot of that thinking today. And here's what that thinking was. That thinking said one group of people is more than, and another group of people is less than. That's what slavery said, in very simplistic terms. And the dominant race at that time was white. White controlled everything in this country. First, slavery began as, as, as an economic gain. And when the economic gains were not coming fast enough for the people who were so greedy, they decided to use racism to keep it going. So they convinced people that other people were different from them. They didn't have the intelligence that they had, that they were lazy, that they were just cut above the eight. All of those, that nonsense was put into the minds of people, both black and white. And the white race then decided that it was more than. And the black race, mentally, even though some blacks didn't, including my family, will tell you my parents told me I was da-da-da-da-da and I had two strong parents. And I don't believe anybody is better than I am. But deep down, there are some wounds from slavery that most African Americans have not healed. And whites have not healed it either. Whites are more guilty. Whites feel guilty that this was done. Blacks feel inferior. That's what slavery did. And so what my book does, it looks at a lot of examples of slavery, menta- slave mentality that's happening throughout my life. And I have 13 siblings, and I did a chapter in this book on each one. And and I, I became their voice from living with them, from talking with them, Um from their sharing their experiences, I became who they were. And I spoke using their experiences that the slave mentality had put upon them and myself as well. And then I, under, I explained what the true meaning of self-identification is. And where does it stem from what I talked about earlier? You're not going to heal slave mentality unless you heal it with spiritual understanding. No man is better than another man. No woman is better than another ma- woman because we were all created by one God. and this is what I teach. and whoever tells you that you are doesn't understand spirituality. So do not buy into that nonsense. This is what a lot of my articles say. Because that's what it is. You are made in the image and likeness of God, and it has nothing to do with color. It has nothing to do with physicality. It has nothing to do with human intelligence. It has to do with divine intelligence. It has to do with higher levels of thought. It has to do with loving your neighbor as yourself. It has to do with having a pure heart instead of a hateful one. That's what true living is. That's what a true individual is. So don't buy into the fact that somebody tells you you're not good enough. And that's what that book is about. And it says, my family and yours. Because all Americans, all Americans, if they are not careful, no matter what color they are, ...of victims of the slave mentality. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Is it possible you could do like a, a short excerpt from the book? Excuse me? And a short ex, excerpt from the book. Like uh, a, 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 an excerpt from the book. Yes. Okay, I'm going
1: to read an excerpt... ...but I've got to set you up just a teeny bit about it. This happened when uh, to a young lady a young lady who was 19 years of old, and she was a single parent. And she was trying to find a job desperately to take care of herself and her child. And she lived with a woman named Lillian. And close to that apartment was um, a car lot. And that car lot was owned by a white man. And so Lillian didn't have a car. She took a cab and the bus, and she talked to this white man about that. And this is where this excerpt comes in. Lillian is having a conversation with this young woman who has this child, this 19-year-old. And Lillian, and the young lady speaks first. She says, Lillian, you have done so much for me. But I'm sorry, I'm not interested in him. And that him she's talking about is the car, the white person. And Lillian says, okay, but I would certainly take him up on it if it were me, but he likes you. The young lady thought to herself, too bad. However, one night about a week or two later, when she and her daughter were alone in the apartment, The phone rang. Upon answering, the voice on the other end identified himself as the used car guy. For a few seconds, she was astonished as to how he got the number. Then it slowly sank in. Of course, Lillian had given it to him, maybe thinking he could convince her to change her mind about having a relationship with him. As he talked with mostly the young lady listening, he came right out and said he was very interested in her and wanted to help her financially as much as he could. Needless to say, she came right out and said she was not interested in anything he could do for her. She couldn't recall all of the things that he promised, but her answer still remained, no. He said, is it because I am white? Yes, that's part of it, she said. Why, he wanted to know. Maybe, she said, it's because I grew up in Mississippi. I don't know but I am not interested in being kept by a white man. I thought you would say that. I like you because you are a very attractive woman and not because you are black, she thought to herself. Yeah, sure. But what she said to him was this. I'm sorry, you seem like a nice guy. But when I enter into another relationship, I want to believe it will lead to marriage. And I do not believe that is what you have in mind. Why not find out? No, I'm sorry. After trying to convince her of his sincerity for a while and not getting a positive response from her, he hung up. He followed up with phone calls. And, and that's where I'm going to end. You're going to have to buy the book to see what happened. <laughs> see what whether she continued her relationship, developed a relationship with them, or didn't.
0: Thank you for that. Yeah. that <laughs> uh, um, now, uh, what do you think people... Will the readers of your book, well, uh, what do you think they'll get out of the book?
1: Well, what I would like to see them get out of it is a clear self-identification of themselves. Maybe not clear, but the pathway to clarity. And to me, life offers many, many situations and experiences. But all of them, to me, can be tackled with three questions. Who am I? Learn to identify oneself. Know who you are, from which you came. That's question number one. Who am I? Question number two is, where am I going? What does life have for you? Which direction are you going to go? And the third one is, how am I going to get there? map out a plan that takes you where you want to go. And in every situation that you're faced, every experience that you encounter, if I had known who I was when my daughter passed away, I wouldn't have gone through two years of suffering. I was identifying her and me as something else. That's why I suffered for that. So every all of life situations can be addressed by asking questions of oneself and answering those questions as honestly as possible. If you lie to yourself, you're going to lose. And we lie, human beings lie to themselves all the time. Sometimes it's they don't know any better. Sometimes they don't want anybody to know what's they, they, they put up, I call it, a false sense a false face of who they really are. And they don't want anybody to break through that, so they lie. So if you know who you are, you know where you're going, and you know how you're going to get there, your life journey will be better. That's what I want my, uh, the listeners to walk away with.
0: Hmm. Tell me about your... your uh, you are also a host of a radio show. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell you about what? Your radio show.
1: Oh, the radio show is, is entitled Talk to the Author with Dr. Mimi Smith. And I talk to people all over the world. Uh, uh, at first, it was... I had thought it would be just for authors... But I talk with doctors, lawyers, whatever, different, um, uh, even if they haven't written a book, ministers. Um, And so my show is on uh, EAMTRadio.com, and that radio show is owned, that radio station is owned by a nonprofit that I am chief operating officer of and and that radio station eamtradio.com has other um DJs. My show comes on on Sundays from 5 to 6. And they are pre-taped. I don't have live shows, but we do have DJs that have live shows. I choose not to have that. Mine are pre-taped. I they're edited and so forth. <clears throat>
0: But I talk with people all over the world. Cool. I'm looking at your little site, well, one of your sites, as you say, com where you've got, Donate a Book of Peace and Love. Um, I like that. Uh, uh, smithmamy.com
1: is my one of my websites. And that's where you can get the book, you can get it at Emma, you can get all of my, most of my books, the three books. I've written three books that I've published uh, and 3 ebooks. ebooks e E-books are on Lulu.com. but all of my other books are on. I have three, and they are on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Booklocker dot com, but they're on my website, MamieLSmith.com or SmithMamie dot com. I won't give any more because that's that can be kind of confusing to give them
0: too much. Well, no, yeah, people Amazon, people are going. How how many sites do I look on? Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Pardon? They'd be going, oh, my God, how many sites do I need to go? I'm sorry, I missed that question. I was going to saying they'd be saying, oh, oh, my God, how many sites do I need to go to? There's quite a few. Yes, exactly. So what I say to them, think
1: of, if you want to go to one of mine, go to smithmayme.com or go to Barnes & Noble on Amazon. And
0: just have those in your mind. I, I, I have a book on Barnes and Noble. It's a, it's and a comedy. You have a book and, what's yeah. the name of it? Uh, um, daydreaming. Daydreaming, oh, that's good. It, it's, a, it's a sort of horror come and touch a comedy book. Because that's the sort okay. of thing I voted for. I've done children's books. I'm trying to write a rewrite of uh, Dracula at the moment because it's public domain. I can use most of the book, but rewrite it bits I want to write in. Okay. Wow,
1: that's great, dear Jamie. That's a great topic. <clears throat> that's a great. That's a great topic
0: to talk about. Now, um, yeah, obviously we're. I think we've covered most of the things you do, bar the, the music. Do you enjoy your music?
1: Do I do music?
0: You do enjoy your music. Um, yes, I do. And
1: I am... I, I'm a classical singer. And I just co-authored a book with um, a well-known, internationally known musician, jazz musician, smooth jazz musician. And it's coming out in January of 2020, and so, in writing this book with him, um, it's his story, um, but I wrote it with him, he uh, urged me, at this stage of my life, to do a CD, and I said, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, I'm no longer a singer anymore, that's all behind me, and he said, no it isn't, so what I did was he, he convinced me to go into the studio, and one of my favorite songs is "You Raise Me Up," and I heard Oh, it like,
0: oh I love that song. You love that song. <laughs> well,
1: I did a classical version of it. It's going to come out in January two on a CD. It's a single, yeah. And uh, so I'm I'm a very busy lady. Um, I teach. Uh, classes, um, vocal and piano, because that's what I taught in the public schools, and uh, so I teach privately now to, to children who are interested in, that's what our organization does, that's one of the things our, uh, e- our, our Educational Arts Society does to help children, our nonprofit. profit
0: mm-hmm. Wow, that is cool.
1: Well, So what do
0: you do? I do writing, singing, uh, comedy. I do a little bit of horror hosting. I dress up as a werewolf. Oh, wow. That's
1: great. So what
0: do you sing? I sing... Um, I've sung a song about my... Uh, new Deaf experience called Not My Time In Heaven. And I've done a song about sexuality, which is basically uh, someone queried uh, people, the sexuality of someone. And I I remember the time when I was younger, when I was shy, and people used to consider me gay. I've got no problem with gay people or whatever you believe in. But I I, I just found it odd that that people will label you that way, and it inspired me to write a lyric. fascinates me how do you think of your jokes are they jokes or well I do odd things I, I'm writing well I'm writing in my head at the moment a com- comic book podcast and the hero is called repairman and basically okay. he's in a town called heroville where all the superheroes are doing their daily day to day living but they're quite useless at doing normal things like finding the paper where, where has it gone? Fix uh, a cat's gone up the tree. But how did he rescue it? Wow, that's interesting. I've done five episodes. Well, six episodes. I thought it was f- number five, but it was really number six. I thought I thought what a fool. It's supposed to be episode six. A very busy life too. Well, right? I try to be. I, I well, I have to deal with my um, problems of uh, small vessel disease of the brain and neuropathy, and I have OCD. So apart from that, I'm all right. Hmm.
1: So do you? Are you
0: in America or are you in another? I am in a was... place called Holzerby in England. If you imagine now, England. Well, I just what I thought. I, I, <laughs> if you imagine I England own as an old man carrying a pig to the market, with near the pig's trotter's end.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Wow. Well. Um, now, obviously, we're coming to the end of this, and it always seems yeah. so quick, and now it seems to go. Um, I normally like to do a unique sign off before we end. So, Mimi, what would be your unique sign-off? What
1: would be my unique
0: what? Sign-off. You know, how would you like to say goodbye? You know, a quote or a song or whatever you like to do. Well, actually, I don't have a
1: unique anything, but... um... My final word, if I would like to, could do that. I would say to your listeners, you are a very special individual. There is no one like you. Take, spend your time understanding who you are, and from whence you come and where you want to go. You are special. Never let anyone tell you that you are not.
0: And here's mine for you, Mimi. Mm-hmm. I did an unfolding of a rose as, a, as an American story my family and yours with Dr. Mimi Smith, who likes to sing a little bit. She does a lot of singing and performances. I know. And she's got some quotes that I'd like to say. It says, time defies death, eternity defies life. True medicine corrects negativity, thinking evokes both words of action. Mankind is a baby when it comes to operating in the spirit, every spirit. And the last one I like, perfect, perfect vision is not a matter, seeing matter, but being good, establishing thought, and fighting it with actions. So good night, and thank you for being on my show.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. That was great. And goodbye.